my thought was, okay, what is this here to teach me? Why did it come back? And what can I learn from it? So my theory is that we all have something to learn from whatever diagnosis or challenge we might be facing. And it's not just health challenges, but any challenge in life. I mean, what's the point in being on planet Earth if we're not here to learn and grow? Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Good Health Cafe, the place to learn about how to navigate the healthcare system and understand health in plain language. I'm your host, Nikita Boston Fisher, a health educator with a passion for meeting people where they are. Today's guest is Ms. Carla Manjuru. Carla is a holistic health coach, facilitator, and speaker. And today we're discussing the 10 healing factors outlined in Dr. Kelly Turner's book, Radical Hope, 10 Key Healing Factors from Exceptional Survivors of Cancer and Other Diseases. Grab your warm drink and let's get to the episode. Hi, Carla. Welcome back to the Good Health Cafe. Thank you so much for coming. Hi, Nikita. Thanks so much for having me back. It's a pleasure. Could you please introduce yourself to the audience? I would love to. Thanks for the opportunity. My name is Carla Mans Giroux, and I am a metastatic breast cancer thriver. And I have six plus years with no evidence of disease on this journey back to health. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, definitely <laughs> woohoo! It's a big deal when you get a metastatic diagnosis. I mean, that's a stage four. Mm-hmm. That's terminal. So it's not easy to get six plus years with no evidence of disease. And I am so blessed and so grateful that I am where I am. So that counts as remission, right? Is that correct? Is that yeah, I don't know that you could really ever say a metastatic diagnosis gets to be in remission. I, I You know, it's hard. Some people define it differently. I say, yes, I'm in remission. Um, there's no cure for metastatic breast cancer or for any, you know, I don't think there's a cure for any stage four cancer, but when you can go that long without a recurrence, because metastatic breast cancer, in my case, it's hormone receptor positive. And it's really, you know, they hope to use the drugs from a conventional perspective to lengthen the time between your recurrences. So the expectation from the medical community is that you're going to continually sort of deal with these recurrences or progression of the disease. And um, so, yeah, just really blessed that I've gotten it to this stable, no evidence of disease place. And um, quite honestly, it is my intention to keep it where it is for the next Oh, 45 years till I'm 100. <laughs> I have always had a goal to live to be 100 plus. So I'm going to make that goal healthy and sane, still doing my yoga. I really hope that you achieve that. That's an amazing goal. Yeah, I hope to achieve it too. <laughs> Do you have any theories or thoughts on what has gotten you to this stage, this six plus years? Yeah, you know, I had an early stage diagnosis in 2003 when I was just 37 years old. And it was 11 years later that the metastatic diagnosis came up. So all those milestones in between, right? My five years out, my 10 years out, I thought I was safe and that that's it. I'm done. No more cancer for me. Um, And 11 years after that original diagnosis, I got the, you know, worst news ever. And it really shattered me and it took me a while to pick myself up and, and kind of regroup. But 
my my thought was, okay, what is this here to teach me? Why did it come back? And what can I learn from it? So my theory is that we all have something to learn from whatever diagnosis or challenge we might be facing. And it's not just health challenges, but any challenge in life. I mean, what's the point of being on planet Earth if we're not here to learn and grow, right? So my theory is that we can all learn from a diagnosis, from a challenge, and really we need to look at our emotional world and what within our emotions might be contributing to the disease that's manifesting in our physical body. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. So how did you come to learn or get involved with the 10 healing factors of radical remission? Yeah, so it started on my health journey, learning to do all I could to really overcome my diagnosis, right? To get to this no evidence of disease point. I have utilized the best of conventional medicine as well as everything else I could come up with. So I took an integrative approach. I found an integrative oncologist to work with who supported me and partnered with me and made me feel like I was doing the right things by exercising and taking supplements and really looking at the diet, my nutrition and what I ate. And because of that support and the mind body support I got too, like this integrative oncologist, like, yeah, you really got to take care of your inner world in order for your physical world to, to return to a better state. Right. So I did a lot of lifestyle changes and somewhere along my journey, I found the book Radical Remission by Kelly Turner. Kelly Turner did her um, PhD research in what was called spontaneous remissions. So she was an oncology social worker and she found out about a spontaneous remission and she's like, huh, I want to know more. What is What did this person do? And when she started digging, she found there were hundreds of people who had had spontaneous remissions. And so when she started digging in, she did 10 years of research across 10 different countries while, you know, doing this was her dissertation at um, the University of California, Berkeley. And she interviewed and studied over 1,500 people who had had spontaneous remissions, what she came to call radical remissions, because she realized there was nothing spontaneous about it. These people were working their butts off to get to remission because they were making lifestyle changes and doing things with their emotions and their spirituality. And so of the 10 healing factors that Dr. Turner has written about, only three of them are physical. The other seven are emotional and spiritual factors. And in her original book, there were nine healing factors. She later came out with a book called Radical Hope. It was published in 2020, and it revealed the 10th factor and updated her research and her interviews. Uh, She came out with new stories. She continues to collect stories of people that are finding these radical remissions, and she continues to uh, look at the, the studies that other people are doing independently that support how these 10 healing factors do contribute to the immune system and to healing. Wow. Can you tell us what the 10 are? Yes, absolutely. Uh, and when I found the book, I kind of went through the um, the 
table of contents and I went, check, 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 done that, done that, done that. And I'm like, Ooh, there's a new one I need to work on. Or here's something I haven't thought about. So I'll tell you the three physical factors. It's diet. So radically changing your diet. It's taking herbs and supplements. And that means really having testing and working with a practitioner that can help you figure out what's right for you because it's a very individual thing. What you take wouldn't be the same as what I need to take. And then the third physical factor is exercise and movement. And initially, Dr. Turner didn't see that as a factor because most of the people she was interviewing had come off conventional treatment, been sent home on hospice. And so they really couldn't move their body in the way they were used to moving their body and do the exercise that they could do. They didn't go to the gym, but they did move their body however they could, when they could. And then the other factors, empowerment, basically being the CEO of your health. So not just trusting the person in the white coat to know everything that you should do, really figuring out for yourself what you should do and what's right for you. Um, after empowerment is intuition, which I kind of feel is, is a foundational one, because if you are utilizing your intuition, if you're practicing and honing your intuition, it's going to serve you well in figuring out what to do in any of the rest of these healing factors and really in anything in your life. But intuition means tapping in to that inner knowing, to that voice within, to your higher power, whatever you want to call it. It's getting in touch with that and being quiet often enough to hear what that voice has to tell you. The next one is releasing suppressed emotions. And this is all about feeling your feelings full, but letting them go. Don't hang on to them, right? We know we often clench our fists or clench our jaw or tighten, you know, bite our tongue, you know, whatever it is when we're having a conversation or a conflict with somebody, that's an indication you might be holding on to something, right? Mm -hmm. And so you, you might need to learn how to say things differently, or you might need to take a time out and come back and say what you need to say. Uh, Fear is another emotion that we often stuff. We don't want to know what that's about. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to feel it. Anger for some people is really hard to feel because they've been taught that it's not okay to be angry. And so we have to feel all of our emotions full and release them and let them go. The other one is increasing our positive emotions. So Dr. Turner likes to say that positive emotions are like rocket fuel for your immune system. I love that. I know, I do too. And so when you have a positive emotion, when you are feeling happy or joyful, or there's a smile on your face for whatever reason, that is a dose of beneficial hormones flooding through your body. It's like your inner pharmacy just opened and flooded you with all of the good feeling hormones that you should have, right? Those hormones that are going to counter the um, the stress hormones and the hormones that we get from the negative stuff. So the radical remission survivors all told Dr. Turner about how they found moments of joy and happiness in every day and that they worked it like it was a muscle. Like if I'm not feeling happy today, that's okay. I'm human and I can't feel happy every day, all day, but let me at least practice feeling happiness or joy for five minutes. 
And that five minutes of good hormones flooding through your system really boosts your immune system. And then we've got social support. So really embracing and increasing your social support. And this isn't just about having people around you to help you and and support you. That's huge. You need the love and support of people. But what people need to learn is how to receive love and support. Hmm. So many of us are really good at giving love and support. We're not so good at receiving it. So you think about how you want to help your friend or your family member who's dealing with something, right? And then think about yourself. No, 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 I'm okay. No, I don't need anything. I'm fine. I got this. I'll be okay. You don't want to be a burden. You don't want to ask people for things. That's exactly the wrong thing to do. You need to learn to receive what they offer, and you need to actually learn to ask them for what you need. And just as you feel so good when you are able to give something to someone, when you're able to help, when you can deliver a meal or you can run an errand or whatever it is you do for friends and family, think about how good that feels for them. And if you don't allow them to do it, you're denying them that good feeling. Do you have any ideas then on how we become better at receiving support? It does take practice. (laughs) We definitely have to practice. Making a list of the things that you need and thinking about what do I not need to do for myself? What can somebody else do for me? And having that list at the ready. So especially when you're dealing with the health challenge, right? Like, okay, I now need to focus on me. And we often have a problem with that thinking it's selfish. But remember, you got to put your oxygen mask on first and then help others. So if you're not in any shape, to help yourself. You're not in any shape to help anyone else. So take the time to think about what needs to get done at my home? What needs to get done for my health? Do I have to be the one to do it or can somebody else do it for me? Or can it just not be done at all? Who cares if the house doesn't get dusted for two weeks, right? That's not a necessary thing unless you have a lot of allergies and you really need the dust taken care of. But you can also ask somebody else to do that for you. You could always ask your immediate family members to probably do more than they do, especially if you're the woman in the household, you tend to be the caretaker and the caregiver and, you know, everybody else relies on you to do things. Ask your children, your spouse, your partner to do a little more, but also have that list ready when a friend says, let me tell me, what can I do? Just call if you have anything. Oh, you know what? I could really use somebody to take the kids to X, Y, Z. I could really use some help picking up groceries, whatever it might be. If you've got that list at the ready, you don't have to think about it off the top of your head. You've already put some thought into what's important and what's needed. And then you can ask. I got a really big lesson in this when I got my original cancer diagnosis. My girlfriend wanted to come over and clean the house. And honestly, this was probably more a lesson for my husband than for me. She came over with a bucket and a broom and a mop and all her cleaning supplies, and she was ready to clean the house. We had a two-year-old and a five-year-old at the time. I was going through chemotherapy, and my husband was like, absolutely not. You're not going to clean our house. He kept taking her bucket and supplies away from her. No, you're not. No, you're not. And I finally said to him, like, Greg, you need to let her do this. We can't do this. I can't do it right now. You're in charge of taking care of me and two children. Let her clean our house. And he did. 
And we both learned that it's okay to let people do the things they want to do for you. That's a great story. I thought for a minute that you might say, I wanted to pre-clean the house before she got here. Right? <laughs> I was in no shape to do any pre-cleaning. And, you know, and when, you're, when you're going through chemotherapy, it makes it a little bit easier to say, oh, yeah, please do whatever you can for me. I like that. What is the ninth? Ninth one that? is uh, deepening your spiritual connection. I love this one because for many people, they may be religious, but not spiritual. Others are spiritual, but not religious. Some of us are both. Some of us are none. But by deepening our spiritual connection and whether that connection is to God, the universe, you know, your higher power, whatever you want to call it, it doesn't matter what you call it. It just matters that you have a connection to something bigger than yourself. People, a lot of times, will find that connection in nature. So you can be awestruck by nature, right? Or you can just be so in the flow or in the moment when you're in nature, when you're watching the birds or you're watching the surf, you know, the ocean, whatever it might be. It just connects you into something bigger than just you as an individual. And, you know, we're all one and we don't really connect to that very often. And we don't remember that. And many of us are in different places on our spiritual paths. And some of us, you know, are deep into that learning and others aren't. But the main point in the radical remission research that Dr. Turner did was that every one of the radical remission survivors deepened their spiritual connection to something bigger than themselves to bolster them, to help them through this challenge that they were facing and to realize that they weren't alone. So, Mm -hmm. you know, starting with a meditation practice might be the way. Going back to church might be another way. Um, Reconnecting to your creative um, practice, whether it's music or painting or writing or whatever, could be another way that you connect. Just making the connection is really important. And number 10. And number 10 is having strong reasons for living. And none of these are, there's no order to these. These aren't in a particular order. We don't know yet which, if any of these are more important than the other. But having strong reasons for living is about having purpose and having meaning in your life. And we all find that in different ways. And it could be something you find through your children or through your hobby or through your vocation, maybe even through your work. But it doesn't matter what it is. It just matters that you have a strong reason that gets you up and out of bed every day, that gets you fired up for your life, and that you feel like you do have purpose and meaning. And people can get caught up on it. So I don't know what my purpose is. Your purpose does not need to be some big grandiose thing that includes fame and fortune. Purpose is the little things you do in every day and the impact you have on other people. So if you're the person that makes people smile, if you're the person that brings optimism and positivity into someone's life, if you're the person that's always got a joke that makes people laugh, that's your purpose. And start there. And think about how could you make that a little bit bigger? How could you do that for more people? How could you find a way to share your personal meaning and purpose 
with a wider community. And a lot of people also find purpose and meaning in their volunteer work in giving back to others. And that's where you can take those little gifts that you have that you think are nothing and use them to help other people. Because the gift you have is different than the gift I have. And your gift may not be anything that I can do for myself. Therefore, it's going to be huge for me, even though it's like, well, it's no big deal. It's just something I do because it's easy for you. That's what makes it your gift. I love that. As I'm looking at this list, everything resonates. Everything just makes sense. It really does. And what Dr. Turner found were there were independent research studies to support how and why each one of these healing factors made a difference on the healing journey. And they all boosted the immune system. And when you're going through a health challenge, what you need is to get your immune system back in tip-top working shape. And so the radical remission survivors in the original book, many of them were either taking an alternative path with alternative medicine, or they were folks that had gone through conventional medicine, but it had failed them and sent them home on hospice. In her newer book, Radical Hope, she brought in the third category of people who used an integrative approach, people like me who were using the best of both worlds to really find our healing. But ultimately, what all of these people were doing was getting their immune system back into a place where the body could do its own healing. And when you look at conventional cancer treatment, they're typically, they believe that you need to kill the cancer cells to be able to have health. In the alternative or the complementary and alternative medical world, they believe that you need to get the body back in shape in order to overcome those cancer cells. Because all of us, every person on the planet has cancer cells in their body. Your immune system is just doing a better job of taking care of those cancer cells before they form a tumor or get worse, right? So for whatever reason, my immune system and other factors, uh, I call them contributing factors, were conspiring against me to allow that cancer to grow big enough to form a tumor. And so we all need to think about what can we do to help ourselves get back into an immune boosting, healthy place. And these healing factors are a really good starting place. Do you know if you need all 10? Were all the participants doing all 10? All 10 of the radical remission survivors that Dr. Turner interviewed, 1,500 plus now, were doing all of these healing factors. And she went back to review her research and talk to some of those survivors when she decided that there was a 10th factor. Because exercise and movement is such a, an important part of our healing, whether it's from cancer or from per- to prevent cancer or healing from other things, that she began to wonder, why didn't that show up? And so when she she went back, she found that it was there all along, and it is truly important. What she originally found were that these survivors she talked to utilized 75 different healing factors. Oh, wow. These 10 were common among every single one of them. Wow, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah. As you talk to people about this or share about these healing factors, are there any myths and misconceptions that often come up? 
Yeah, I mean, I do as a holistic cancer coach now myself, you know, having traveled this journey and gone through a radical remission workshop and then decided I wanted to be a radical remission coach and teacher. I've had um, the the great honor to help many people on their journey. And, you know, people don't always believe that um, their diet matters because their medical doctors aren't telling them it does. Mm -hmm. Now, conventional medical doctors aren't trained in nutrition. They get very little um, information about it when they go through medical school. And therefore, they don't put the importance on it because they don't know about it. And they'll tell you to just, you know, keep eating whatever, just don't lose weight. So that's a misconception that people have. Well, my medical doctor told me, my oncologist said, I don't need to worry about what I eat. But there is evidence to prove that we do in any health challenge. And I do want to say just real quick that that Dr. Turner has started to collect stories of survivors from other types of diseases, not just cancer. So folks with autoimmune disorders, with MS, with ALS are reporting the use of these healing factors has helped them to find remission as well. Another misconception is like, you know, I don't have a purpose. I don't know what my purpose is, but but we all do. We all have a purpose. And again, we, we might need to, like, instead of I need to win a Nobel Peace Prize, I just need to recognize what it is I bring to people in my day-to-day interactions with them. And so a good way to figure that out is to ask your friends and family, your colleagues, your coworkers, what is it about me that you find unique? You know, ask the people closest to you what they love about you the most. And that can give you some clues. And then in the workshop, we have a wonderful activity. It's actually in the book as well about how to find um, your strong reasons for living. You mentioned one of the healing factors was empowerment. Yes. How do you find that people often become empowered? So often what happens is it's really around your medical care, being empowered around your medical care. And in the first book, Dr. Turner called it taking control of your health. And she later realized you just really can't hand up control over everything. So it needs to be more about being empowered around your health. And so rather than believing that the person in the white coat, that lab coat has all the authority you need to understand that nobody knows you and your body better than you do. So we've probably all heard stories about people who've had a medical challenge where it took years and a number of doctors to figure out what it was, or they kept telling, you know, this person, don't worry about it. It's all fine. It's all fine. And then, you know, sometime later, it's like, oops, it is cancer. or Oops, it is a really bad diagnosis. And that person knew something was wrong, but they let the person in the white lab coat take their authority away from them and believe what they had to say. So it doesn't mean not talking to doctors, not utilizing doctors, but it's really more about taking the approach that the doctor is the expert in their field of expertise, but not at all an expert on you or your body. And you need to treat them like the experts and have them as consultants have them part of your healing team. And sometimes one medical doctor is not enough on your healing team. For those of us dealing with health challenges, we might have 
a medical doctor and an oncologist and a radiation oncologist and a naturopath and an acupuncturist and a therapist, et cetera, et cetera. There are a lot of people that you can have on your healing team to help you, but it does mean you kind of need to take the action, become active instead of passive and really form that healing team and use them as your advisors and consultants. So so think about it as a board of directors. You're the CEO and you've got a board of directors sitting around the table with you to help you figure out how to best address your health challenge. As I'm listening to you, I wonder, do you know anyone who's maybe done all 10 of these things and still not made it? Yes, there are people that do all 10 healing factors and yet their cancer journey um, ends without a cure and without remission. So what we like to say to people is these factors aren't a guarantee. What they can do is bring you to healing and healing and a cure are two different things. So you can be healed, right? You can feel wholeness, but you may not have a cure. And certainly I don't have a cure. I've got this six plus years of remission. And I know other people that are still in there. I'm feeling more healed. I'm not cured and I don't have a remission. And so they're dealing with the potential progression of the disease. Um, and, you know, maybe there's a few months of it's stable and then the next scan shows it's progressing. And we're all on a different journey. We're all here to learn different things. And none of us are going to live forever. And so the way that we leave this world is going to be different. And some of us won't make it through our cancer journeys. It will be the way we leave this world. Others may find healing and cure or remission on their, on their cancer journey. Um, but it's all about our individual journeys and what we learn from them. And whether or not we can find the healing that we need to accept our death. And so many of us are afraid to face death, whether we have a diagnosis or not. Death is something that culturally we just all fear and we don't want to talk about. But death is going to come to all of us. And so being ready for it, I feel like, for me, that my cancer diagnosis and this journey has taught me so much more about death and about accepting death and being at peace with that. And it's going to come. I'm hoping it comes after I turn 100, but I could be completely wrong about that too. And I might not die from cancer. I might die from something completely different. We just never know. But what we can learn from these experiences is what's really important. Very interesting. It almost sounds like even if you do these 10 things and it doesn't result in a radical remission, maybe what you do end with is some sort of peace of mind or a new approach to how you tackle the journey. Right, right. You might find healing and peace. You know, uh, you might feel like you're whole and you're ready for, okay, I'm ready to meet my maker. Or I've, I've made peace with all of the emotional turmoil and trauma I needed to make peace with. You know, and that can be really healing for people. And so, you know, we kind of brushed over the whole releasing emotions and all of that. But there's some deep um, therapeutic work that can be done for people. Because if you had a childhood, you've experienced trauma. And certainly if you get a diagnosis, that's a trauma. So 
people often think that trauma has to be some big, horrible, you know, abusive or, you know, terrible event that happened in their life or, you know, war that caused PTSD. Trauma happens to all of us. And if we don't learn to process that trauma and release it, it's what we hold on to in our body. I heard you mention um, workshops. Yeah. Tell us what workshops look like. Yeah. So my partner and I, Liz Curran, we have a company called Health Navigators. And in our Health Navigators business, we offer the radical remission workshops as well as book clubs, healing gatherings, um, all sorts of wonderful things to bring community together to find courage and support when you're on a healing journey. And we love doing the radical remission workshops. We met at the radical remission teacher training that we both did back in 2019. And we decided that we really wanted to partner up to bring this to more people. And so we offer the radical remission workshops where we teach people how to implement these factors into their life. So you can read either of the book and learn about the factors, but where people really struggle is how do I implement this in my life? What does this look like? How do I do this? And for some people, some of these sort of complementary and alternative healing modalities can be brand new. They know nothing about them. They don't even know where to begin. And, um, you know, even for people looking to change their, their diet, their nutrition, it's like, well, I thought I ate healthy. I eat salads and vegetables. Yes, but do you make 50% of every meal veggies, right? And how, you know, how do you do plant-based with a little bit of animal products? Or how do you do all vegan? Or, you know, so there's questions that people have. And Liz and I can help with that. And our community comes together to support each other and share resources too. But in the workshop, what we do is teach you about the 10 healing factors and how to apply them, how to implement them into your day-to-day life. And we have you create a personalized game plan. What's my baby step goal going to be on this factor? What's my next goal? What's my next step, right? So it's kind of think about a one month, uh, or excuse me, a one week, a one month, and a six-month goal. But essentially, when you walk away from the workshop, which factor do you need to work on first? And maybe it's the one that's going to be the easiest for you because you just set yourself up with a baby step goal for that first week and then another goal for the month and another goal for six months. And as you start to work these into your life, you've you figured out a way to take these baby steps or these micro goals that are manageable, that things you can do when you get back home after one of these workshops. Now, we offer the workshop virtually. Typically on a monthly basis, you can join us for a five-week virtual workshop. Or we've got two fabulous opportunities this summer that we're so excited about. In mid-June, we will be at Omega Institute for Holistic Studies in Rhinebeck, New York, offering the Radical Remission Workshop in a retreat setting. So it's a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Omega is absolutely beautiful. It's upper upstate New York. It's gorgeous. There is so much nature. Um, You can connect with like-minded people. You can learn. You can um, take advantage of the nature that surrounds you and the healing presence of the gardens and the lake and everything that Omega has to offer. And they have farm-to-table meals that are absolutely fabulous. It is primarily plant-based, 
with uh, a couple of meals over the course of the weekend having um, an animal protein option. Um, but for me, so I'm mostly, I call myself sort of vegan-ish. I'm mostly plant-based. I do fish and seafood. And I walked into Omega for the first time and I went, oh my God, this is amazing. I can eat anything here. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to try to figure out how to make this work for me. So the food's amazing. The people are wonderful. It is just such a gorgeous place to connect with yourself, with nature, and with other people. And then in late July, we're going to go to the other coast. We're going to go west to Washington, and we're going to offer a workshop at Harmony Hill Retreat Center in Union, Washington. And it's a little bit of a smaller retreat location, but no less beautiful. It overlooks Mount Hood and the Hood Canal. And it's also just gorgeous with wonderful food that uh, really helps you either if you've already chosen this way of eating or helps you to learn how you can start to do a plant-based diet. That sounds fantastic. It almost sounds like something that would interest you even if you aren't seeking remission, you know, on how to get healthy in general. (laughs) Yeah, it really is. um, We would love to reach more people that are interested in just overall health and prevention Mm -hmm. of any sort of a diagnosis, right? Um, it's so much harder to get rid of cancer once you've gotten it than it is before you ever get it, right? So, um, and other diseases. So the same factors that are building your immune system to overcome a cancer diagnosis can build your immune system to overcome other diagnoses because we know that inflammation in the body and a, a depleted immune system is what causes these diagnoses, whether it's an autoimmune disease or, you know, ALS, MS, you know, there's just so many different things that all start because of the inflammation in our bodies. And we should all be looking at not only nutrition and the physical aspects, but also our emotional and spiritual health as well. It's a holistic approach, a whole person. If people could leave with just one message Mm. from this discussion, what would you want it to be? I guess I would have to go back to hope. I think the hope is so important and that having hope and understanding that you can do so much for yourself on a healing journey is where you should really begin. And certainly we as the health navigators can help you learn more about that. So having hope and recognizing that there's more to learn about how to heal yourself. I like that. Thank you very much, Carla. This was great. (laughs) You're so welcome, Nikita. Thank you so much. And I would love to offer your community a $50 discount on a virtual workshop. I can't offer them on the in-person retreats, but I'll give you a coupon code that you can post and it'll be 50 off so that your folks listening can take $50 off the cost of a virtual workshop if they'd like to attend the Radical Remission virtual. Thank you. That's very generous of you. I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. Some of those factors just sound like things that are beneficial for good health in general. Some key takeaways included, of the 10 factors, three are physical and the remaining seven are emotional or spiritual. This list was generated based on the research of Dr. Kelly Turner, who has analyzed over 1,500 cases of remission. 
and her research has now expanded to include other diseases as well. Before you go, do any of the following sound like you or someone you know? Have you ever left a doctor's office and felt like you didn't get the answers you needed? Have you felt like your care provider wasn't listening? Have you ever been frustrated and exhausted by undiagnosed symptoms? Does seeking healthcare intimidate you? Have you been wanting to join in on conversations at the Good Health Cafe in a more active way? If you answered yes to any of these questions, then the Good Health Cafe Lounge may be the place for you. It's going to be an intimate, small group discussion. To learn more, please click the link in the bio and I will reach out to you. Until next time, see you in the cafe later. Bye.